Hello, and welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that celebrates the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully, along the way, helps you decide how you want to tell the damn story. Today's episode is brought to you by Infinitum by T.L. Tim Fielder. Yes, sir. It is an epic story for the ages, through the ages, about um, Afrofuturism, the world, and everything. And it's available everywhere. That's what I mean. Not just terrestrial places like Amazon, but we're talking the moons of Neptune. It's Infinitum, damn it. By Tim Fielder, and it's available everywhere. Time, 10 years, you'll still find this book available. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Everywhere. In all of the multiverse. See what I did there? Okay. (laughs) And who is going to tell you how to tell the damn story? Well, one is me, Chris Ryan. I am a hybrid author, having independently published and been traditionally published right here in California. That's right. Edited by Art Taylor. You know Art Taylor. If you don't know Art Taylor, you better Google Art Taylor because he's happening. And to really give this show some credibility, some much needed credibility, we have to turn to the legendary comic book scribing, iconic teenage detective writing, great underused character developing and globe-trotting creator of the world-renowned Aaron Blanchard Day. The African-American soldier of fortune set in the 1930s, whose adventures reflect today's problems. Ladies and gentlemen, that is on, that is that could only be one man. It could only be in any of the multiverses, in any reality, on any planet, anywhere. It could only be <laughs> the legendary... Mythic, iconic Alex Simmons. Hello, Alex. (laughs) It just gets more blown up every week. (laughs) Half the episode is the intro. (laughs) Well, you know, when when you're a co-host with someone of the stature and legend of the Alex Simmons, you know, you have to do a, a, a proper intro. You have to. Even if it's right before St. Patrick's Day, you have to do yeah, out respect the where it's due. That by respect where it's due. Yeah. <laughs> that is, and, and, that and, is what my Irish forebears taught me. Yeah, it's, I'm sure. Four bears and five <laughs> bears and, and six bears mine. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any bears bear. in Ireland. There's yeah. no bears. Yeah, there's no bars. There's no, no bars. bars. No, there's a few bars. There's, there's several to... bars. You know that, like yes. bar. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, sorry for the... Well, we're not sorry. You know what? I'm never sorry for having some fun. That's it's right. a good time. It's a good thing, and I hope we got you a couple of laughs to begin. With. That's right. Yeah, you know, right. and believe me, there's plenty to laugh about. Yeah. I, I can see me and I'm laughing. Okay. There you go. So every time I look in the mirror, I start laughing. <laughs> then I cry a bit. Then I cry a bit. And then I see myself crying. I laugh a bit again. <laughs> All right. Then. So um, I have to excuse, I have to beg forgiveness, Alex. Oh, you're, you're, you're going to hear very bad brogues occasionally throughout the episode. And that is because I'm reading a book that just came out from one of my. Oh, one of my writing heroes. I don't know. Do I have any of his stuff around here? 
yes, here it is. By the way, folks, just for you who aren't getting the visuals picture here, uh, Chris is surrounded uh, on two sides by, by volumes and volumes of books. I mean, from floor to ceiling, uh, because that's he's in his den, his, yes. his sanctum sanctorum. And, and you know, we've got the infinitum there. We've got blackjack well, we, there. We've we got had to build the den so we could have some place big enough to fit infinitum. Yeah. I can feel that. But you've also got, you know, you've also got some action figures and some okay. other characters. And, you know, cool. so it's, it's just it's just a, a beautiful array of color and okay. subject and topic. Well, I'll, sh I'll show you some color. So who I'm talking about is the legendary Roddy Doyle. He of the commitments and the snapper and the van. He of... Roddy Doyle, Patty Clark, ha, 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 great laugh out loud tale with some somber, tear-jerking parts. And for years and years and years, I used to tell my father, you know, I was a newlywed and a young man, so I knew everything, uh, that, you know, he would love Roddy Doyle. He would love, and he would love any of those four, first four novels. He would really love those mm -hmm. first four novels. But finally, he goes and he picks one up, you know. Uh, my father does, and he's reading it, and, and he gets he, he gets through it, and he says, you know, I'm not sure what your sense of humor is anymore. Says, well, I said, what are you talking about, Paul? He says, well, I read a Roddy Doyle. I said, ah, oh, fantastic. Did you read Patty Clark? Ha, ha, ha. No. Did you read The Commitments and The Snapper? The Snapper's a little dirty, Dad. I'm sorry. Or The Van. He says, no. I read The Woman Who Walked Into Doors, right? And I had to, I had to apologize to him because that book, is about domestic abuse and and Roddy wrote it very seriously, oh. so there was no jokes in there. So he didn't quite trust me to try another one, and it's a and and it was a failure on my part because I think he would love he would have loved Patty Clark, ha ha ha. I also think he would love the new book by Patty uh, Roddy Doyle, which is called Love, and the cover I I left it in my wife's car and she's a she's running around. So I w w if she comes back in time, I'll show it to you. But it, the cover is a pint of Guinness on a green table and across the pint it says love right ah but the entire book i mean it's 90 percent dialogue between Ooh. two old friends been friends i don't know 40 years 30 40 years something like that and um they haven't seen each other actually seen each other in a while and uh they're both trying to talk about the the emotions that they have inside you know one one has a broken marriage and why and someone else you know and it's really a book about the impossibility of men dealing with their emotions and it is hilarious and you know bittersweet it's it's roddy doyle is is an amazing writer in that he can write humor and pathos in the same line that's one of the one of the great uh, uh, realities of Irish uh, storytelling, you know, and he is consummate. So anyway, um, I was I've been reading my wife passages and, you know, out comes the, the brogue and all that stuff, you know. Uh, so that's why I'm going to be getting a little bit of the accent. A, bit, a little bit of that. See, but it's her fault. It's the goddess's fault. Because I, oh. I read a passage, and I, I'm terrible, and I apologize to Roddy for reading his great work in a bad Irish brogue, but uh, I, I read it at one point. And I, I'm, I'm sure he's coming for you. What I hear some, I, I, I hear a car <laughs> background. So, um, so I said to the goddess, I said, um, 
I apologize for the bad bro. She says, oh, I like the bad bro. So, you know, that's oh, it. Oh, that's and it. And they're like, do you want a cup of tea, that love? And it's, <laughs> shall we walk the dog then? You know, and all, it's just it's just terrible. I'm killing it and driving it in the ground, and I'm not getting any better. And it keeps, the brogues keep slipping out that. So, you know, apologize. I apologize to every Irish person on the planet and all of the entire Emerald Isle for how terrible my my brogue is there. But, and he's not stopping. I think let's be uh, you know, because yeah, the, the goddess might hear it and then she says, Oh, I like that. So so now <laughs> we know what you've been doing uh with, yeah. with your life for the past couple of days at least. My entire life is an elaborate plan to seduce the goddess. Yes. So before we get to before we get to media and and, mm. and the subject of today, which is yes. gonna be uh, about writing uh, heroes, iconic and otherwise. Yes, yes. Um uh, I will just touch on a couple of things. So for one, as you remember in our last thrilling episode, dun, 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 dun. it was a Friday night and in another day or so I was going to go and get jabbed. <laughs> so I did. Yeah. It was 1 a.m. Saturday morning. Sun, yeah, Sunday morning, actually. Sunday morning. Sunday morning, that's right. Sunday so, morning. 1 a.m. Oh. Sunday morning. But you know what? As life will have it, you know, because 1 a.m., by the way, Sunday morning at Yankee Stadium. I mean, let's. In let's, the Bronx, then. Yeah, let's fill it all in there. But, you know, again, life does this little twist. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it's, you know, it's 1 a.m. I have to be there. So I probably is going to have trouble getting a cab and all that. So I better leave early. So I left here, uh, my house, at a little after 12. And, you know, got a cab very quickly and was there by 12.15. I thought, okay. And there was a line of about like 25 people there. And I got on the end of the line. And this is outside of the building. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to stand out here for about, you know, an hour, 45 minutes, something like that. And, and it wasn't even, it wasn't really balmy out. It was pretty chilly. It was chilly. Yeah. And it's, it's again, it's midnight. It's after midnight on, on a Sunday morning. And and uh, the guy walking, you know, the, one of the security people was walking the line. He says, everybody, make sure you have your appointments out, the text that says you're supposed to be here. So I, I pull up my phone, pull up the text. I say, here's mine. He goes, oh, yeah, well, yeah. Shot, immediately shot me right to the head of the line. Because he, he, you know, because he read Alex Simmons. Yeah, and he I said, oh, it's the, it's the iconic, it's the iconic Alex it. Simmons. He's the fan of the show. And so I got Waltz right in. Uh, I, I had to answer a couple of quick, quick questions at the door. Uh, and then I got autographs. Yeah, I got rushed right down 20 tables, went past 19 tables to yeah. the table. There was a nice young man there. He asked me a couple more questions and he pulled out the syringe. And I'm, you know, I mean, I have never liked needles since I was a wee one when I fought. I mean, it took a nurse and two doctors to hold me down so they could give me a shot of anything, uh, except if my mom was there. Then she was smacking me across the face, and I figured, you know, that's got to hurt a lot more than the needle will. So, yeah, I just calm right down. But no mom this time, no mom to smack me, so I had to be a man here. So, you know, zap into the shoulder, waited for 15 minutes to see if I was going to grow the extra arms or the blue fur or the tail or cling to the walls. None of that happened. I was very disappointed. Of course. Yeah, I was very also I didn't you know, I didn't suddenly grow like six foot something with a pounding, you know, beefed up chest and, yes. and biceps and all that didn't happen either. Yes. And and then I got into another cab. I was home by 1.15. Fantastic. Yeah. So basically within an hour and fifteen minutes, the whole thing was done and done. And all of Sunday, I was just fine. Oh, Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday night. 
it got interesting. <laughs> you know, it what got happened? a little bit. Well, it's just you know, was, like, was this the one and done, the J and J? Yeah, the J and J one and done. That's it. You know, and so what happened Sunday night? Was it Sunday was it, night? Sunday six arms? Six arms? Was no, no, one and a half. It was a real bummer. <laughs> you sort of like lean to one side. It's a, it's a family um, show. I would have had an answer for, for like 10 minutes and then I would fall off. It was just really ridiculous. But um, from <laughs> Sunday night through Monday evening, I was like miserable. I mean, not horrible, not really suffering, suffering, but achy, a little feverish. Uh, you know, just a body doing strange things and going, you know, we were fine until you went and had that injection. Now, now there's all kinds of things happening here. You know, so um, it took 24 hours of napping quite a bit. Okay. And I didn't have to take any, you know, any, well, I think I did. I, took, I think I took Tylenol once just for the fever. But even that was, wasn't a major raging fever. Yeah. And uh, by, by Tuesday morning, I was okay. Hmm. And still can't close the walls. It's really frustrating. Damn it. Yes, I know. I can't see Yeah, I thought, I thought, you know, this, um, the vaccination, national effort to, to vaccinate everybody. I thought that was Marvel's uh, introduction of mutants. That's what I thought. No? Okay. No. If it, if it was, it's a big failure. It's a big so, failure. You know, I used you to calm my son down. Oh. Your godson went and got his shot today. Oh. So I said, don't worry about it. I said, I said, here's what happened to uh, your, your godfather. I sent a picture of the, the cover of Spider-Man where Morbius is like this, and Spider-Man <laughs> has six arms. <laughs> so he laughed. He couldn't, you know, he didn't, but, you know, he, uh, it was they messed with him a little bit. They messed yeah, with him a little bit. Yeah, well, and it, it, it messes with me. It messed with me a little bit, too. But, I mean, again, nothing, nothing horrendous, nothing horrible. And no, no, no. I mean, in trying to get, trying to get his shot at the very last minute, they said, "Well, where's your school ID?" He didn't say any directions at all. Oh, so do and I said, "Look up an email that said come in and sub or this." And he found it. And he goes, "Here's an e- email." He said, "That's it." Game shot. Yeah. So it it's I think it's a Moderna. So uh, I don't think it's a J and J. So he's the so first so one. have to get another one. And I'll get a little headache. Yeah. Twenty sixth. Oh. I'm getting my second one, and um, I showed my wife. Uh, I wish I had paid attention to the guy's name on Twitter, but a writer had, had gotten the second shot, you know, and um, he said, um, so the first shot was nothing, but the second shot, he said, every single one of my bones is like gr- glass grinding against each other, and my my uh, uh, body is going through heaves of sweat and then deep chills and all that stuff. And I'm looking and I walked up to my wife and I said, this is what's waiting for us. She goes, writers should not be allowed to discuss the vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I tagged a little something onto the end of our episode uh, last Sunday, just a little remark that says, I survived. So that was cool. it. But anyway, that was that was that was that. You know, and then I had a very busy week, and and here I am. And we, moving right along, yes. don't have a WandaVision episode to discuss this week. No, we don't. Uh, the thing that they had this week was uh, there's two things. There's a uh, making of. They're going to do a series called Assembled, mm-hmm. and it'll be after each series they'll have a making up. It was very interesting and very long and very detailed, which was really cool. And they also have um, Legends. So they have four little shorts in the legends, and it's really a clip show for each character. Falcon, Winter Soldier, 
uh, agent Carter, and they even have one on Zemo. So if you're if you're looking for your fix, fine. Uh-huh. But Alex has another fix for you. If you're missing WandaVision, here he is. Yes, Alex so. Vision. It's time for Alex Vision. Yes, <laughs> from, from Disney so, minus. Yeah. So go, <laughs> as opposed to yeah. Um, so uh, a, a question that popped up on the web uh, after WandaVision episode nine last week was, ooh. Who, who, who is the villain, 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 villain? It was, was it Wanda or Agatha or, you know, uh, what was it, the agent's name? Uh, uh, Hayward. Hayward, you know, who was the villain? Was Wanda the villain in that whole thing? You know, what 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 was the thought? And it was, it was interesting, you know, it was a, a couple of short remarks here and there uh, in terms of people reacting, but it was interesting how people were looking at that, uh, and I think, more interesting for me was how many people hadn't thought about it. You know, it was like, it was like I guess they were, I, I, I guess when Agatha was presented, they went, oh, that's the villain. You know, and they just sort of went with it. It just went with it. So it was just, it's an interesting question, though, because, I mean, if you think about it, what Wanda did, did put a, a big hurt on a whole lot of folk. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like, hmm. Uh, and by the way, we're still trying to do the non-spoiler thing here in case somebody on the planet hasn't seen it. <laughs> if they haven't project. seen it, they should go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, um, I, I'll keep going. I no, no, no. I was just going to say that, you know, the, the, the thing is, you know, it, what Wanda did uh, was terrible, was was terrible. And, and we understand um, better why she did it, what was happening, and as a, again, try not to be a spoiler person here, but, you know, there was, there was a reason behind all of it that I think rings true and, and speaks very, very um, satisfactorily to the story they were trying to tell with, with this entire adventure. Uh, so I, you know, I can forgive and I uh, won't forget, but I can forgive I don't know if certain people will ever forgive. And and that that does beg the question, you know, how will they see her? You know, and how do we see her? I got a few thoughts if you don't mind. Okay, okay, here you go. Thought number one, 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 one. When I was fourteen, no, excuse me, when I was fifteen, um one of my closest friends committed suicide. Mm. And um, the family was shattered, and that's the most important thing. And the loss of his life, most important thing. Um, I was way off side effect, okay. But for the interest of this conversation, we'll talk about that. Um, I wasn't aware of. The world for week, two weeks, something like that. Um, I mean, I knew I was there, but I wasn't paying attention. And I was, you know, I, there's there's patches. Like I heard, you know, in Jim Locker in high school, I heard someone um, kind of making light of it, you know. Mm. And um, I think I weighed about seventy pounds back then. I looked like an afro on a stick. And uh, I went up to this guy as if I was, you know, 
much bigger person. 200-pound linebacker, yeah, right. And I think it wasn't my intimidating physique, but the sincerity of my voice when I said to him, I know that, I knew that guy. And, you know, you don't really know what happened, so please. And to his, to his credit, what a noble guy, he, uh, he apologized and all that stuff. But eventually I went to see someone, or, or that was sent to see someone, and had to talk it out, you know, and uh, gradually became aware you know, back aware of myself and, and the impact I was having on, you know, freaking people out and all that sort of stuff. And a similar thing happened, you know, almost, oh God, almost 20 years, about 19 years ago when my pop died. Um, you know, I couldn't understand how the world hadn't stopped, you know, mm. and that's, that's grief, you know, that, that's loss. And Marvel took several impressive risks with this show first show out of the the box from disney as fates would have it right and they're asking on multiple levels what is grief like after the infinity war Mm. after the five-year gap after all of those things what is grief like and they're asking what is grief like for one of the most powerful beings in their universe if i was unaware of my action and actions and the impact that my just my sadness and my grief was having on everyone around me i can understand the metaphor of if someone as powerful i mean we're accepting the fiction of it sure uh, but someone as powerful as wander grieving her power would leak out with it. So it was, I completely was with the impact of the grief. Second risk, can, do we dare jump into the middle of the grief and not explain it beforehand, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, let's jump in for two episodes and not say anything that, okay, we're in sitcoms from the 50s, not a, give any, anyone Something to, where's the side of the pool? You know, nothing. Just, just roll the dice. Originally, the plan apparently was to, uh oh, what happened there? Originally, the plan was, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I don't, there you are. Um, Originally, the plan was to show the first three episodes at Mm -hmm. once. That would have made sense because you get a sense of the, of an anchor reality in the third one. But as it was, by the time we get through this all and we see how she has processed her guilt her her grief Mm -hmm. and how she has been shocked by agatha and the townspeople to realize the impact she's having on others she can't take that away she can't make that better she can't fix that she lives with that she does the walk of shame you know Mm -hmm. Uh, she owns that and she she becomes whole where it goes next with that final i don't know Mm. you know but as far as all of this coming back to the question of is she a villain or not Are we villainous because we grieve? Or 
do we need to be careful how we process grief lest we harm others well i think i think that is the the question and you know the simpler question is is she a villain or not but the deeper question is that you know and and again um not everyone will will even know why they're doing what they're doing yeah. or in that in hers was an extended moment but you know she wasn't aware of what she was doing until yeah. a certain point in the story so I mean, does that excuse anything if she is a villainess to begin with if that if yeah. we're going to see her as a villain and let's let's complicate that because at one point she says maybe i you know don't um Monica says partial spoilers for something that everyone else has talked about in the whole world. Um, Monica Rambeau says, to, don't let Agatha turn you into the villain. Don't let Haywood turn you into the villain. Don't let them make you the villain. She says, maybe I already am. Mm-hmm. That's being consumed by grief mm-hmm. and saying that the deaths were your fault. The deaths are not your fault. You know, when my friend died, it, you know, I had had a fight with him, a physical fight with him. Um, he had written on the playground fence, Chris is a spick. Mm. My, mom, my mom is Spanish. And then he went up, he said, I can give you a grandma lesson. He jumped up on the fence and boom, boom, boom. And yeah, you know, we were 14, 15 or whatever. So tossle, but that's not the reason he killed himself, you know. And, you know, it's that Wanda lost her parents, Vision. And her brother. And uh, Pietro and then Vision. Yeah. They're not her fault. Not a single one of them were her fault. And yet you can see she was holding in the loss and holding and making it feel like it was her fault. And. You know, if you if you keep all that bottled up, it can go negative, and then you do become a villain. You know, let me complicate it further. Okay, only for another minute, though. <laughs> Two minutes. Easy one. Haywood goes from being an asswipe, power-hungry, greedy asswipe, to a villain in one very clear scene when he opens fires he's open opens fire on innocence we'll leave it that way because you don't like to spoil even though the whole world knows what we're talking about that's when he's clearly a villain the one who seems to be more clearly a villain agatha harkness there's an argument that can be made that she does wander the most good Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah, you, you could. Know, you could even say right. tough love. She was a little selfish about trying to get stuff for herself, yes. And that puts her on the side of villain. But, but it also makes her like an ans- an accidental benefactor. You know? <laughs> it's just, you know. But she wanted to push her out of this ridiculous world she had created for herself that's how to to paraphrase um and it's left unclear whether it was solely to steal her power or was it to you know benefit her 
ultimately it did benefit her. Future, uh, Catherine Hahn is too great of an actress and, and does too great a job in that role to not see her again in, in future mm. you know, projects or whatever. So, again, one of the successes of WandaVision is that you can ask that question about Wanda. You can ask that question about, well, Haywood is pretty answered. Um, Agatha, you can argue about. Theatro, you can now argue about. You know, villain or not villain, you know. Um, one last prediction. It's possible that they could redo this or, 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 or uh, offer this series in 10 episodes. Because there was a whole sequence that they couldn't finish this, the special effects for. And it would have explained what Monica and Fiatro and Darcy and the two kids were doing during that last episode. We see them in little bits, but mm-hmm. it was much fuller. And it's so popular. Why not? I don't know if they will we'll, because we'll it's find so out. perfect. We but, will definitely find out. All right, but th- there you go. There's there's a little, it's kind of a, a, a coda. It's a WandaVision coda. <laughs> Bring us a little, little there you go, little, little after dinner mint of uh, one vision. <laughs> Are we ready to go to the main event or no? Well, we, we have to because we're halfway through the show already. <laughs> so, well, you know, when you're, when you're having fun, you know, yeah, well, we're you having... know what they say there. <laughs> fun now. <You> know. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. So, um, Alex was uh, pitched this idea for the main topic tonight. And um, I think, you know, because you can pick up Alex's work on the moons of Neptune, uh, we really should ask him first <laughs> rather than the lowly, oh, minuscule stop. side of the uh, stop, equation. Stop, 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 stop. Okay. So, Alex, I ask you back your own question. <laughs> what is it like writing heroic characters? Yeah, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify that first. You've off. written a few, or yeah, I, a, a a couple, a couple. <laughs> I mean, actually, to to run that list for a moment because I had to do that. Um, Sherlock Holmes, Batman, mm-hmm. Tarzan, mm-hmm. Superman, Black Panther, Scooby Doo, and Archie. All right. So those are all the characters that I've written that are heroic. What? Oh. What? What? Yeah. What? Okay. Time out. Go ahead. No, not time out. Is a T. A big O is Orpheus. Oh, well, that was for the Batman. So, okay. So Orpheus. Oh, okay. Well, when I mentioned Batman, I was okay. And um, there's another one. Yes, but not, 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 not my Infinitum by yeah. Tim Fielder. We're not talking about my original. But Blackjack. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you did that to. Cassine the other night. Um, no, um, when you when you're writing someone else's heroic or iconic right. character, mm-hmm. you know there there are certain uh, prerequisites or certain challenges that come with that. Yes. I mean, first of all, there's there's a whole a world that's already been established. Uh, there's in in the cases of, of Batman and Superman and a couple of others, there's a canon or a bible that's been established uh, one for a hundred and something years, 
others for like 60 years, 70 years. So it comes with a certain weight to it. And it's twofold. It's one, you must respect the, the foundational material. And then two, you have to be creative with that foundational material or else you're pretty much going to be spitting out the same thing that 3,700 other writers have done already. Mm. So it's do your homework, get familiar with the, the basic uh, letter of the law for each of these characters, and then go what if and start to look at that world and look at your world and look at your ideas and see where you can blend or, or take it off into another direction that's going to be uh, enjoyable for the writer, you know, in this case myself, but more so will also be very satisfying, entertaining, educational, engaging for the audience and, and won't sound like something that they've read just the, the other day. And so that, that really is like a big challenge. Like with, with, with Batman and with uh, Black Panther, both characters were characters that, you know, I mean, Black, Batman I'd lived with since I was a little kid, Black Panther since I was a teenager. And so I was very, very familiar with a lot of aspects of their nature. And yet there were certain key things about them that I wanted to sort of explore differently than I felt they had been before. So with, with Batman, it was, um, it was really, what is it like to introduce, in this case, it was a, a black character, Orpheus, was to introduce this black character who may be villain or hero um, into the mix, into a, a boiling criminal uh, situation that's occurring that, that threatens all of Gotham, and to watch how Batman handles this circumstance without necessarily relaying or relying rather on a lot of his familiars, uh, Robin and Batgirl and all these other characters. Um, so it was, it was an, it was uh, an, an, uh, an effort to explore Batman's psyche from a different, a slightly different viewpoint. And that would have been Orpheus. What's it like to be the new kid in town and encounter Batman? And, and also, what is Batman going to do with that new person? Um, with with uh, Black Panther, it was wanting to explore before he became the Black Panther. And, and in thinking about how far before that, I went all the way back to before he was born. <laughs> and I suddenly locked in on his mother, his, his biological mother. And I thought, you know, how little has been said about her. And so that began to become intriguing for me. And in thinking about, you know, and again, as writers, we, we, we think about our own point of view, our, some of our own experiences. So I was been, I've been raised by my mom and my grandmother uh, predominantly. And so understanding that there are strong women out there who have a lot to do with how certain men become the men that they are. So I'm thinking, okay, so T'Challa, yeah, we know he's influenced by his father. We know he's influenced by certain other um, aspects of, of growing up in Wakanda. But also some part of his mother must be in there, whether it's a, a nurturing aspect or a spiritual aspect. And so that made wanting to know her more 
and seeing what of him came from her, that fascinated me. So I think when, you know, to, to sort of sum it up a little bit, is when approaching iconic characters or our heroic iconic characters created by someone else, it's knowing them or getting to know them as best you can in terms of what's come before, but then looking at what is my take on this and what is the angle from which I really want to explore and tell a story. And, and, and again, be true to the, the, the canon uh, that's already been established. And sometimes that's, that's a real, it's a real trick. It's, it's that, um, Hollywood thing of we want uniquely familiar, right? We want you to write a Batman story that is purely a Batman story and yet something we haven't seen before, for example, you know? Yeah. One of the things that I, um, to, to dote on Orpheus for a minute because, you know, there's a character DC should bring back. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about Orpheus was, you know, I've seen so many, um, heroes arrive in Gotham, numerous Robins and all that sort of stuff, Huntresses and all that. And uh, Batman's reaction to all of them is no, right? Mm. And then he puts them through the ringer to prove themselves and all that stuff. The thing I loved about Orpheus was one, it didn't make a difference what Batman said, because two, he didn't need him. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and, and uh, he was largely operating in a part of Gotham that maybe Batman wasn't really around in enough. So we had complete justification. Hey, you're not in this neighborhood. So uh, who are you to tell me? You know, so much uh, uh, dynamic tension between those two characters that I, uh, I mean, was it a five episode? Five yeah, five issue, right? And you really got a good taste of him, um, but I always wanted more. And um, and I think it was a, a gross error on DC's part. No, sorry, excuse me. Hello, DC. No, we love you. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll say it. It was a gross error on DC's part. <laughs> you know, uh, you know be, because you didn't have that. You know, even when it was like you know uh, Lucius is Fox's son or something. There's all there's there's legacy there. There's build there. There was nothing that. A Batman could or hold over Orpheus, and yeah. there was no—he had no rights to territory or anything—and it really put Batman in an awkward position. And I think now, during you know, since Black Lives Matter uh, has become uh, an entity in the nation that the nation has to deal with. Orpheus is more relevant today than when he first came out. And uh, I, I think it would be intriguing. I think you should come up with that pitch. Uh, I'll, I'll help you. I'll write pitch and you do the rest and we're fun. There we go. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about um, the difference between. Um, it's going to be lightning round because I know we don't want to eat up to it. All right. Right. So right. Um, I'm going to put two characters that you've written, you know, famous characters, right? Okay. And you tell me the difference between writing their heroics, okay? Okay. All right. Tarzan, mm. Superman. Jeez. <laughs> you don't play fair. 
Oh, oh I didn't. I, I'm just starting, bro. <laughs> um, you know, you know, it's 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 funny because again, the stories that I wrote, <clears throat> pardon me, stories that I wrote for Tarzan were easier uh, than for Superman uh, because it, it didn't have the same history and some of the same tripwires uh, for Tarzan that were for, for Superman. For Tarzan, it was doing it for the syndicated comic strip, and that was with United Feature Syndication at the time. And it was kind of, it really was kind of given carte blanche. Uh, as long as I was respectful of the Edgar Rice Burroughs, you know, legacy, <clears throat> pardon me, I could, I could kind of go where I wanted to. And so the first storyline I did with him was more like, you know, Survivor meets Tarzan. And it was these, these people out in the jungle and who get into a hell of a lot of mess while trying to shoot a Survivor-like show. And Tarzan interceding and keeping people alive and some other things. And so it was, it was just more action-adventure, pure right. adventure there. And okay. that was fairly simple. Uh, okay. But Superman was, uh, there was history there because um, it was during the time period when uh, Superman, when Clark Kent was married to Lois Lane. Right, right. And Lois's sister was married to a black reporter at the Daily Planet, and she uh, had given birth to uh, their child. And so there was, um, there, were, there were aspects of that that had never been dealt with. Right, right, right. Never been dealt with. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, in effect, this guy is Clark Kent's brother-in-law. Right. You no, know? so he's got a black brother-in-law. And I actually had said that to the editor or the editor's uh, associate editor at the time. And you know, Superman's brother-in-law is black. And he went, "What?" I, I said, "Yeah, you know, here's this guy, you know." And it was they had done it. I hadn't done it. The, right. It had been already established a year before. But there were certain aspects of it. I guess they never looked at it that way. They never made a mm -hmm. comment. So in working on that, there was dealing with um, the, the, some of the racial aspects of it. And at the same time, it was dealing with, for me, the story was that the, the young black reporter had been traumatized by something that had happened again in another story that had happened during that summer, a big invasion. And he and his wife and his child had been captured by aliens and probed and all this. And he had felt... Um, like, you know, he felt like a weakling, like he hadn't been able to protect his family. And now he was overcompensating. He was now taking risks. And so to me, the story was really about how do we deal with trauma right. and, and what would happen. But again, I had some of the editorial challenges to deal with. And I had some of the racial challenges to deal with in writing that. And of course, it's Superman. And it was it was interesting because that story never got published. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would say, that, you know, from a standpoint of a writer, I'll just quickly finish this off by saying writing either story uh, as a writer, as just purely a writer on an assignment, no big difference. But the circumstances behind each of those characters and the client made it different. OK, cool. <laughs> now, round two of lightning round. So we're going to be really quick. We're going to talk just about the heroic characteristics. Okay. We don't have to go to a, a story, but just the heroic characteristics. Both of these characters I'm going to name have a family, a cast around them, right? 
And they are the hero of this. So what's the difference between the heroic cast, uh, characteristics of Batman and Archie? <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, I would, I would simply say just, just plain business-wise, uh, Batman puts life uh, and limb on the line constantly and is dealing with some very dangerous elements that challenge, you know, whether or not one wants to live or die or will live or die, and are you willing to give up your life? Whereas Archie's just trying to figure out how does he fit in life? You know, it's, it's how do I be me and, 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 and be a part of this group, and, and where do I fit in into the world? You know, just being me. And I think that that's, you know, there's a certain amount of heroics in trying to be yourself in everyday society, especially when you know you're kind of the oddball out. All right. Last last round. Yeah, okay. Now we're going to talk about a specific element of the character, okay? The okay. detective element. Oh, okay. Okay. The detective element. What um what does it take to write the heroic characteristics of these two detectives? You ready? Yeah. Batman and Scooby Doo. <laughs> reality and total fiction. Uh, you know. That's really interesting that you said reality for Batman. Yeah, or was it reality yeah. for Scooby Doo? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Oh, of course, Scooby. No, um, you know, in writing the, the Batman detective stories, I do rely on fact and then flow into fiction. Whereas with Scooby, it's it's pretty much all fiction. <laughs> now, you know, go ahead. No, no, I'm just going to say that you know there are, there are certain little elements of, of reality or of acceptable fiction that you can play with in a Scooby Doo story as you're figuring out the clues and all that. But with with the Batman stories, um, I tend to rely more on you know CSI techniques or actual uh, clues and dramatic tension and things like that that are are more based in reality and then again exploring you know exploring it through fiction right and and plus um batman never unveiled the villain by pulling off his rubber mask yeah nor does he pop a, a scooby snack you know and or, right. or one to robin you know just before a fight here robin this will keep you strong you know? who's who's the tougher sidekick to to write robin or shaggy <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my point, of course, my point is that no matter what the format, no matter what the genre, there are things, aspects of the hero, right? Each and every one of them in their own way mm -hmm. rises above his or her challenges for others. Yeah. And if, if, if you can see how your character whether it's someone else's that you've been contracted to do or some, how your character does that for the purposes of the story. I think, I think you've got your heroic beats, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you have a whole set of rules in your heart and head for Blackjack. Mm -hmm. And I've learned them, and there's some that um that i feel there's some elements of that toy box that i feel 
I can play with and some that I, I have enough respect to say, mm, that's going to be Alex, you know? Um, well, I mean, I don't mean that facetiously, you know, no, no, I, think, I, you know, it's, it's, it's respect for knowledge of the, um, the pressures, the ethnicity, um, or, or racist pressures that, uh, he would deal with. I mean, I can broad stroke him, but I, don't, I can't get into the, uh, the, from the limitations of my experience. I, you know, I mean, I've gotten minutes, seconds, you know, that I, it's not enough to write a blackjack story, but, but seeing blackjack as I do, as, you know, an iteration of Captain America, you know, a, a and everything that makes the idea of America worth fighting for. That's what I see in Blackjack. So when I'm writing, that's the heroic characteristic that I am trying to give life to in the story. While yours is much more complex, you know, there is so much more that you have. Um, I'm, there's a really perfect word for this. If I could only remember it. Yes. <laughs> well, it's the same, you know, it's the same thing as um, people of color or women, what they're fighting for for the last, you know, how many centuries? Um, it's not authorship. It's not accessibility. It's... Um, Oh, it was just there and it faded away. Oh, faded shit. away, did it? It'll come to you. Yeah, you know. Um, that's heartbreaking. Um, the, the, oh, shit, it's just, oh, sorry. It's just really not, it's, it's so close to me. But it's it's the, that no one would, even question what someone can do and not do, you know? Mm. Um, I'm really farting out that word. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let uh, it go. Let it go for now. Don't uh, worry about it. it. Oh, there's part of my brain that is saying, no, well, you yeah, don't, no, don't we'll, break we'll, through. We'll, we'll um, shift focus. Anyway. Okay, yeah. I was we'll, say. we'll move on. Um, so in, in, in any of those characters, you know, whether it's someone as bigger than life than Superman or Batman, or as fun size as Scooby Doo, <laughs> right? Mm. There's, there's a, the reason we love these characters is because they do things, they wish for mil- fulfillment, right? They do things that we wish we could do, you mm. know? Um, uh, there's a. Um, there's an in, in, uh, interpretation of Scooby Doo is that we love Scooby Doo because he's a coward, and so are we, you know. <laughs> and, and but the thing that that is different is that he's a coward who will act against his his cowardice. Well, you know, you know I, it's funny you should mention that because um, I, I think I've mentioned this on an episode of the show, the the 180 some odd episodes. So one or two of them I, I've mentioned this. Uh, Nancy Drew has two female companions in a lot of her show, her stories, uh, Bess and George. George is a, is a girl as well. And uh, George is, is kind of more gung-ho. She's a little bit athletic and, and all that. And 
She's a little bit more daring, you know, and so she and Nancy go to investigate something. It's, it's, they're almost like equals, not quite, right? You know, Nancy's still the deductive one, but George is, she's kind of ready. She's ready. Bess, on the other hand, who's blonde and, and blue-eyed and, you know, she's, she's like always scared and she's always, you know, a little, little well, Nancy, maybe we shouldn't do this. Nancy, we shouldn't do that. Nancy, I don't know what you want to and, and I, you know, when I was working with a company that was producing a number of the, uh, the Nancy Drew mysteries, uh, the editors would have this sort of uh, troubled dialogue about, you know, oh, best this, best that, right? I said, you know, you got to look at best in another way. And they said, well, really, what is it? Because she's pointless. I said, well, no, hang on now. As scared as she is, has she ever run out on Nancy? She goes, what, what do you mean? I said, she doesn't want to go. She's scared. She's afraid of, you know, killers and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. But she will not let Nancy go into a place alone. Or if they're there, she does not say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, Nancy, you're on your own and I'm out of here. She stays with her because Nancy's her friend. So in the face of her fears, the friendship matters most. And so I think, you know, that, that's a strength that we need to recognize in, in certain people and certain characters. And so, you know, again, even in some of the stories that I've written, uh, there are characters who absolutely, they don't want to be there. They, they know I'm, I'm in over my head, but they don't desert the lead character. They, or they don't leave their children behind, or they, they try and help someone who's fallen because some part of them goes, I can't let this person down. I can't leave this person behind. And I think those are, those are real measures of, of heroics whether it's instinctive or, you know, uh, uh, impulsive or whatever, that really measure an individual uh, in crucial moments. And it also helps us define the heroic character. Mm -hmm. the, the people that surround him all, or her, excuse me, um, should be foils for that character, just like Beth is for Nancy, is that Beth is shaking in her boots she's she's our way into the story mm -hmm. we go in there to be scared right but um like you said the loyalty and that overcomes right and the, and you can see nancy working something out as bess is shaking mm -hmm. you know if bess was like nancy get the hell out of the way i'm gonna then then you know yeah why are we calling it nancy drew right so it's the it's the foil robin humanizes batman Lois gives uh, uh, helps both sides of Kal El, the Superman and the Clark, bring out the humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it goes on and on. You know, um, you know, it's it's an interesting thing too. Um, actually, to, as we as we sort of wind down this episode, is is the question is is what what is a hero? Why why a hero? How do we how do we see heroes? What what does a heroic figure even mean? There's so many levels to that question, um, which you know I've explored a lot with my writing and will continue to explore, because sometimes you know the hero is is absolutely the coward, and sometimes it's the you know it's the brave. Uh, a couple of, yeah, a couple of people have said, uh, you know, the the difference is one runs towards the gunfire. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's you know, that's a determining factor right there. Well genius high. Is, Written yeah. by the phenomenal, talented, both yeah. epidescent Christopher Ryan. 
Oh, yep. don't don't stop there. But it, it it's available now. That the other ones are being rewritten and they're off the market. But this is available right now, and it's all high school kids, and no one ha- is spectacular at anything except friendship. Mm. And there's they see everything that is going wrong around them in their high school, and they, someone's got to do something, and it, it feels to them like they're the only ones willing. You know, that doesn't have an agenda, that doesn't have something that is going and, and that is the definition of their heroics when they act for each other and the 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 great of the that's the definition of heroics. And then there's a point where they fail each other and they separate and they're miserable. They're not alive, you know, they're they, they can't and it's that desire, that that love, that that loyalty, you name whatever you want, that brings them back together to allows, allow them to move forward. Um, Isn't that also explored, that same basic theme is explored in Stephen King's It? Uh, yeah, but not with... Not, not with the Panache style, of course. Yeah. I have, I have a, a, a much um, more grounded uh, villain in mind. Um, but God bless Steve. You know he, he he shows some he shows some promise that kid, and uh, <laughs> I think he should keep writing. That's what I think. He's gonna break through that Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, you know, give him a few more years, he might become. I mean, something. right now, you know, he's got you know it. it, it okay, you can go beyond pronouns, Steve. Come on, but. <laughs> Yeah, if I were to take these books down that were, you know, the blackjacks and all that stuff, it's all Stephen King behind. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It is what it is, you know. But yeah, yeah. Um, there's all with with this and with a lot of my stuff. With Genius High, I, yeah. Genius. I take reality and I allow one twist and what will happen, you know, and then and you know one little what if and then where does it go from there? This was actually began uh, Genius High actually began because all the high-stake testing. Remember, kids? Remember back before the pandemic where high-stake tests was your biggest concern? <laughs> Miss those days, do you? Crowded hallways, miss those? Genius high. We have those in there. And it was about just taking that and turning it one turn towards the fantastic. Just one turn with the one if. And, um, you know, it's gotten, it's gotten great play and all that sort of stuff. Um, but you still have heroics and a grounded level. So it doesn't make a difference to how big or small your character is. It's about what they can, they can't not do, right? Mm-hmm. They can't turn away. They can't ignore their heart telling them what the right thing is to do. That's where it comes to the core of heroics. Whether you're Kal-El or Bruce Wayne or reckless Eric, you know, or Aaron Blanchett, dear God, there he is. <laughs> and, and and on that note, uh, speaking of heroics and great writing and multiple characters, we have again Black Panther: Tales of Wakanda with eighteen brand new original short stories by eighteen different authors. Yes, I am one of them. Uh, And I'm very thrilled and pleased and proud to be one of them. Um, But this has a number of good stories in it. And it also... 18 is the number, by the way. 
Yes. <laughs> and it also explores uh, a lot of the themes we were talking about in terms of heroics and supporting characters and and listening to your heart and following, you know, uh, a line of integrity or exploring oh. a line of integrity or asking hard questions about where do you... Alex, I would say it also offers people who are watching or interested a, a great opportunity to learn about how different authors express those heroics mm. because each one of those authors shows a, a, a slightly different shade of of the heroics the wakanda heroics and what a what a, one you read it for the pleasure right yep. every every writer reads for the pleasure but then you can go back and see the different you know, use that were brought out, the different nuances, and learn so much that way. So it's a second reason to buy Tales of Wakanda. Yes, that's Available right. now everywhere. Not as many places as Infinitum, because you can't get Tales of Wakanda on Neptune, but you can get it on this whole planet. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, Chris, as always, a fast ride, a fun ride. And uh, oh, and, and, and by the way, this is the marvelous month of March. And we're yes. contemplating, ladies and germs, um, another Facebook Live this month. Yes. So um, you were looking at either the 21st or the 28th. I'm leaning towards the 21st, but we'll see. Uh, so, you know, just keep an ear up because the moment we're, we're locked in on the date, we're going to start promoting it so just be ready okay well uh you can let us know you know there's comments below there's uh tell the damn story on instagram tell the damn story on facebook i don't think tell the damn story has a, a twitter account does it no uh, just, just insta insta and facebook i think yeah instagram at least that's where we're most popular anyway yeah, yeah. we if you you can write in and if we get enough votes Open a tell the damn story TikTok where Alex will dance three times a week. That's right. Your votes count. <laughs> You're a sick man. You're a sick man. Okay. Yeah, that'll that'll be called tell the dance story. Yeah. Alex tell the dance story. <laughs> um, and and by the way, next next time we'll hear we'll hear more of the Irish brogue from you, right? I don't know it. If if I finish Roddy Doyle, it may fade. I don't know. <laughs> and it's so terrible. My accent. I do a, t a ton of imitations, and none of them are accurate. They're just energies. They're just yeah. energies in space. But okay. and just so I don't know. I don't know then. Yeah. Take care. All right. To another day. You know, next week. Oh, we might be talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, yes. Possibility. Two nice Irish lads. Yeah. Oh, going down the pub and down the pub for a good one. Just a pint and, you know, the Falcon saying, I'll have a, I'll have a Guinness. And Winter yeah, Soldier yeah. saying, me too, the lad. That's what he'll be saying. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, folks. <laughs> Goodbye, Chris. Peace. Love you.